Okay, so the second half of class today, we talked about intentional infliction of emotional distress. I believe, yeah, yeah, intentional infliction of emotional distress. And we talked about several cases in class. Um, but before getting into it, I want to mention that torts is a common law issue. States can decide whether or not they're going to be part of their jurisdiction. And many states do not recognize the intentional affliction of emotional distress as a tort, as a standalone tort, I should say. And the reason why people can collect damages for intentional affliction of infliction of emotional distress a lot of the time is because it comes along with another tort, such as battery or assault. There was a battery that occurred and there was assault that occurred, and so the uh, court a lot of the time will issue damages for distress, emotional distress, because that is a damageable thing. But a lot of the time the court actually doesn't recognize uh intentional infliction of emotional distress as a standalone tort meaning they did they said something to me and as a result i felt distress and the law of course won't recognize it but so these three cases that we're going to talk about two today and then a couple more next week is going to be outlining what the states have said depending on their jurisdiction about this this tort. So let's go ahead and talk about state rubbish collectors and v. Zil, Zil, Silinzoff. Zil, Silinzoff. I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to say the defendant. Uh, this was in California. Uh, the state rubbish collectors is the plaintiff. Uh, the plaintiffs lost and they appealed. And the question is, is the evidence strong enough to support the judgment that the trial court determined here? Okay, so let's go over the facts. The facts is that state rubbish um, believe that the defendant here collected trash in their territory. These are two companies, trash collecting ter- companies, and state rubbish believe that the defendant was in the wrong area and was benefiting from their territory, so to speak. So they claim that the defendant owed them money. Uh, if they're, if he's going to collect that, they should owe him them money. So they called him into a meeting. They threatened him, saying, if you don't promise us that you're going to give us money, then we are going to beat you up. And we're going to take your truck, and we're going to slash it, and we're going to burn it down. And so the defendant is like, okay. I guess I'll sign. So he signs, and then uh, later uh, he did not pay. So he is so what he had signed was promis- uh, promissory notes, meaning that he was going to promise to pay something later. And he signed it uh, so that he could leave because he felt like he couldn't leave if he did not sign it because he was scared. After all this happened, he was sick for several days and he wasn't able to work, he was ill. And but he did not end up paying based off of those notes. So state rubbish sued him to collect payment. And then the defendant here countersued. He filed a counterclaim uh, saying 
that they caused intentional infliction of a emotional distress. So the court is addressing both these issues at the exact same time. In this instance, it isn't false imprisonment because he did not ask whether or not he could leave. And so it's up in the air for the jury to determine whether or not he uh, was left there. And they would probably say that, no, he wasn't falsely imprisoned. So they didn't bring that claim. This isn't an assault because the threats were made for a future time. So they didn't bring that claim. So that's why they brought this claim of uh, intentional infliction of an emotional distress. And this is the first time that it was presented as a standalone court to uh, a standalone case to this court. And so they're determining whether or not they should apply this in this, uh, this new tort, so to speak, into this case. Uh, here, uh, they say that he does experience inter- intentional infliction of emotional distress and that they are going to apply it in this case. And the reason for that is because he suffered bodily harm that was directly associated with the, dis- with the tort. So he suffered first emotional distress and two bodily harm. So the company is liable for causing those two things into this defendant. The issue with adopting this tort, though, so to speak, is that it's possible that you can... People are going to claim distress for a lot of things. Uh, They're going to claim distress for a rude comment. They're going to say, oh, man, that really hurt my feelings. And... The court doesn't want to deal with all those cases. Additionally, recognizing this is a tort, the courts are going to deal with a lot more cases. And so the courts are going to be very restrictive in how they do that. And we actually see that in a different case uh, in Florida. This is Slocum versus Food and Fair Stores of Florida. What it is, it's like a grocery chain and the workers there and uh, the plaintiff here approaches the worker and asks for a price and the worker rudely tells her to go find the price herself and uh, and says some mean comments and so she goes and has a heart attack from from this and it's we talked about in class whether or not she actually had a heart attack from this or not or uh, whether or not it was genuine because a lot of the time a client could come and they could learn that it'll strongly influence their case to have suffered bodily harm and uh, they they may or may not make something up. Uh, I'm I'm not making any assumptions here on whether or not the plaintiff in this situation made up the bodily harm that was caused, but this is another case where it's the first time it was approached to this court and the court says, we are going to adopt this as a tort but only in the extreme circumstances. That means that an objective person needs to be able to say, man, that's outrageous. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe that was going to happen. And if the court's like, okay, I can see why they said that, then that's not going to be found as extreme enough to cause uh, distress. 
even if the distress caused bodily harm. The action of the defendant in this instance would have to be quite extreme. And those are the first two cases that we talked about with regards to this tort, and we will continue this in our discussion later on. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.